to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have special guest here from Stoppage Time Soccer Show, Logan Stump. Hello, what is this place? Is this new? <laughs> this have, is... have you done something different with the place? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Fixed, uh, you know, open floor plan, uh, <laughs> remodel. Yeah. The U.S. had an game. open floor plan. Yeah. 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 yeah very open in uh, <laughs> Panama game anyway. Um, but yeah, we're talking U.S. men's national team friendlies against Wales and against Panama. Panama just wrapped up today. Uh, Wales was on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to talk our initial thoughts on how this was and how this was set up. Uh, so we had um, against Wales, it was in Wales and it was um, at uh, what Liberty stadium, um, which yeah. is where Cardiff. Uh, was it Cardiff? They Swansea. I think they oh, Swansea. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Check. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I saw the Swansea logo there. Yeah. Um, so when we look at the lineup here for the U.S. men's team, we had Zach Steffen starting. Um, we had Sergino Dest on the right back. We had Matt, Matt Miazga and John Anthony Brooks playing in the central defense. Anthony Robinson from Fulham on the left. We had Eunice Musa uh, playing in the midfield along with Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. We had Conrad De La Fuente on the left. Gio Reyna kind of it says it shows him on the right but we kind of had Sebastian Legette up there as a false nine which was very controversial decision on Twitter uh your thoughts Logan on how they set up in the first game and I guess your overall in person uh impressions not impersonations I don't want you to impersonate any of these people but your impressions <laughs> on how they played against Wales which finished as a nil-nil result but which I thought was a uh could have been more than that. Yeah, so I think coming in, obviously, I think we, especially as U.S. fans, like I think you've got a lower expectation anyway. But but with the excitement that was wrapped around, just I mean, it seems like all summer and going back and forth with with stoppage time. I think that we were texting in a group with Matt and just all the youth that's going different places in Europe and getting, you know, a lot of time playing um, in, in big clubs like Juventus. In Barcelona, I think you're really starting to see 
um, the U.S. obviously grow in Europe, and I think that the more recognition they get, the, the more dangerous they'll become because I think finally I think they've cracked that seal of it seems like at times as a U.S. fan, it, it did seem kind of like it, the cards are stacked against them because I, I don't know if it was because, you know, managers and, and European clubs just don't want us to be successful because they know how powerful we can become in sports that we've dominated. Um, but I think that going into the game, uh, especially having the, the, that layoff of, what was it, 10 months, 11 months, um, of not playing U.S. soccer together. Yeah, since and, February. Yeah, and not even really being able to, to even put together a side that even um, has had time together. I mean, it's it's crazy to me when Gio goes out there, and because we've talked about him for so long, um, the fact that it's his first start in, in a U.S. side. So it's like, you know, it's, it's so weird to think about uh, the things like that because of how long the layoff has been. So when I went into it, I wasn't expecting a ton because I was like, I want to see kind of how these guys just start to gel together. Um, and, and obviously, I think that the starting 11 still is kind of shaky because obviously Pulisic isn't there and you've got guys that would normally be there. Um, but due to COVID restrictions and things like that, you didn't really have the side that, that he wanted to put out there. But again, when I, when I when I was watching Wales, like you said, I wasn't like, I wasn't like enthralled, but I was really impressed with their first half. Um, and being a city fan, a Manchester City fan, I I love possession football. I love when teams can possess the football and and just I mean ultimately just dictate the attack. And it, that's what it seemed like they were doing. They just weren't getting the chances they needed. I know Conrad had one where it was kind of deflected off, and he had a chance yeah. on goal, and he, he kicked it right into the keeper um, with with a normal striker. I think one that is. A nine normally, and even today, I think when Giacchini was uh, playing, I think if he's up there in that game, I think that U.S. wins that game. But again, like you said, I think it was just so tough to tell because they just, you know, their their attack seemed to fizzle, and I think that had something to do with them not playing um, much football together. But again, I, I wasn't like super impressed, but I was impressed with the the midfield, honestly, which is something I know we'll talk about. Yeah, I know some people were giving crap to Gio Reyna uh, over this game, um, and, you know, because he didn't look great, I would say. But it was also, when you think about the system they were playing, right, they were playing with a false nine up top with uh, Sebastian Legette, who's more of a winger or midfielder. Uh, you know, he's usually on the right, on the right side, uh, playing as more of a false nine. False nines are typically drifting back a bit more into the midfield at times and kind of occupying the space right where Reyna wants to be. So when you have that, he can't be his 100% best self. And I think we kind of saw that in the second game where there was an actual number nine up top and we had a lot more a lot more action, a lot, you know, a lot better play. Could also have been the competition, but, you know, I think Panama and Wales are not super far off, uh, to be honest. Um, you know, it's not like we played England one game or Belgium one game and then Panama. You know, we were playing Wales, which, you know, are decent, but it's not even like they had Gareth Bale or anything. Um, no, he was too busy watching golf. <laughs> watching the Masters. <laughs> He couldn't oh, play. He wasn't fit. He wasn't fit, guys. <laughs> yeah, he could play for Tottenham, but not for Wales. Uh, so then we have 
Um, yeah, there wasn't too many moments in this game. You, you mentioned the Conrad one where it kind of went way over the way into the stands um, at one point. Uh, I think, you know, John Brooks looks really good. I like, I love John Anthony Brooks. I signed him in my Sunderland career. He's the anchor, <laughs> I think, in this defense. He uh, when he's healthy, he does have some injury issues. So hopefully, uh, you know, we can have John Anthony Brooks. And all the people that want to give Greg Barhalter a lot of crap as well since he took over. He has barely even had a chance to put together his best squad with Pulisic injuries, with COVID restrictions, with, uh, you know, his first camp, I think, was a January camp, which usually is all MLS teams. I mean, it, it was he hasn't had a lot of chances since he took over in, what, 2019, I think it was, uh, to yeah. really get the best of his squad on here. So when people, and, and I don't blame him even for this false nine nonsense. He's trying to see if something works. It's a friendly. That's what you do. Like this is not a competitive match. And the thing is he, I think if we had had, uh, you know, Josh Sargent wasn't allowed in because of Werder Bremen, you know, with COVID restrictions, they didn't want him to go. So he replaced him with Sebastian Legette. He's the only one that comes from LA Galaxy, the only one that comes from MLS here. Um, he gets called up, and, uh, I mean, you're left with just two strikers then, Sebastian Soto and uh, uh, Giacchini, that maybe he wasn't ready to give them their first start or their first match in this game against Wales, you know, maybe he wanted to ease them in a bit more with practice. So he puts legit in who has been in the squad. He's been on the team. He is at 28 years old, the, 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 the vet of the, uh, of that midfield and attack that I think it was fine. Uh, it, it obviously he saw it didn't really work. He goes out this week, uh, this, this game here and puts in a number nine and it pays, off immediately which we'll talk about anything else about the wales game before we move on to the next one i agree with you on the on the john brooks thing i think that he's the anchor to that that defense's heartbeat because otherwise he kind of lost and i know we'll get somewhat to that in this match because there was an instant in the very beginning of the next match that was some cause for concern but i think that that's going to come with the territory for the u.s so yeah so we have uh USA versus Pan. Oh, before we move on there, actually, just looking at the subs that came in, we had Reggie Cannon come in. We had Johnny Cardoza come in. Uh, Owen Atasoe, the uh, goalkeeper, came in. Uh, Timothy Weah and uh, Ulysses, uh, I'm going to butcher this, Lioness. Uh, I know that they were pronouncing it very differently than that. Uh, and Nicholas. Uh, which I would think is Giacchini, but they were saying like Goacchini went on on the yeah, game. Yeah, so. Giacchini. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Italian. I don't know. And then we had the stats. We had sixty-one percent possession against Wales with seven total shots compared to Wales four. Um, we had forty four hundred seventy-seven accurate passes to Wales's two hundred sixty-four. We had eighty-eight percent pass success compared to their seventy-seven. 
We had 17 fouls compared to their nine, so we were even fouling more. Uh, we had more corners. We had more offsides. We did everything more except for shots on target, really, which was two uh, to Wales and us having one, but that uh, didn't really matter to anybody. But uh, just some good, good stats there. Uh, moving on to the USA versus Panama from today. Uh, if we look at this lineup, uh, we had Zach Steffen start again. I was actually kind of surprised. I was surprised we didn't get like Ethan Horvath uh, just to kind of reward his championship, uh, his Champions League play, and stuff like that. Um, but I guess he wants consistency as well with some of his back four. We get Sergino Dest on. Uh, he was actually on the left this game, uh, and Reggie Cannon was on the right. We had Tim Ream in the center, uh, Matt Miazga in the center, uh, Eunice Musa, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney in the midfield, which is becoming a real field if, if Musa decides to join us. And then we have Giovanni Reyna uh, and Lanez uh, up top with the number nine, uh, uh, Giacchini up there and the way that this match finished was 6-2 to two. we did get some substitutions in here we got Chris Richards coming in uh, for defense we had Johnny Cardoza coming in uh, Richie Ledesma coming in and getting two assists Sebastian Legette coming off the bench Timothy Weah coming off the bench and Sebastian Soto coming off the bench and scoring two, uh, along with Giovanni Reyna and Nicholas Giacchini scoring. So your thoughts just as how they set up in this, uh, the, the differences between this game and the last game before we kind of get into the actual goals. Yeah, I think with Giacchini, um, I, I think that makes a big difference. I think being able to have that nine up front um, is there. And obviously Sargent and Zardes are, or probably miles ahead of, of Giacchini. But I, I think that like when you have a traditional nine or you have a nine that's up there that can fill into those spots and get on the end of balls that you put through the box, it really benefits those midfielders because we have a hell of a midfield. Um, and, and the way that they were placing balls in today really shows you just how yeah. violent they can be. Um, I mean, there's times where Reyna is, is running or McKinney's running and Adams are out running. It's like, man, how, how do you plan on stopping that attack from the midfield? Especially, and I know that the, the nine will be somewhat of an Achilles heel maybe for, for the United States because I think that that'll be the most important thing going forward is, one, can they find people that'll, that'll slot in goals that can get on the end of those, those crosses, on the end of those passes? Um, which I think, you know, with the way that Reina and them played, it's not hard to get into those. Um, but again, I think that'll be the biggest challenge for them. But I think that's the biggest difference that we saw. I think that um, that and then the fact that Reina played really well today um, in, in you know all facets of the game, um, scoring, putting balls through. I think that that's that's the biggest difference that I saw was that their attack seemed to even just in the second game came alive um, when it hadn't really uh, in the Wales game. They just weren't creating enough chances. And and Musa, like you said, I really hope to God that he's uh, he's signing the papers right now to stay with the U.S. Um, <laughs> because man, does he open up all sorts of problems? And, and McKinney too. There was one time McKinney took off from like the the middle line, and he just 
and dribbled all the way up through around, kind of just looking for his, for his pass and wanders over to the sideline, gets through a defender, goes around, looks for Reina, he finds Reina, and then Reina about puts one in. Um, it's just so methodical from that midfield, and man, is he good. I think McKinney might be um, hopefully the next big thing um, in Europe, so... Yeah, he's definitely. This was his best game as a U.S. men's player, and I think some of that is the, the, some of that's the opponent. Some of that is just the swagger of saying I'm a Juventus player now. <laughs> you know, I feel like some of that it's feeds, amazing. Really feeds into that. You know, when you're with Shaka, who are terrible, um, and you're getting your ass beat every day, uh, it's a it's a little more, <laughs> right. I think, humbling. You know, yeah. but when you're playing for Juventus you're like, okay, I can do this, you know, and you kind of have that, you know, that, that swagger. Um, so getting into this here, we had eight minutes in disaster people on Twitter starting to throw out some hot takes. I'm sure. Right. Eight, eight minutes in Jose, uh, Fajardo scores for Panama, a really nice header. Um, some sloppy defensive play there, I guess. Uh, but, Makes it one nil Panama, and I will say I was totally fine with this. And we kind of mentioned this on text with each other, but I didn't want this to be a cakewalk game from the outset. The way a lot of people were predicting on Twitter, you know, they're like, "It's Panama, we should win three nothing, four nothing," and one that's putting a lot of pressure on young players that a lot of these t- players had never even played. U.S. team at this point. Um, And it's also putting a lot on the coach, which, you know, saying, well, all these young players are talented. We should be winning these games. But, you know, it's all about how the players, these young players, are going to react and how they're going to play these games. This is a friendly. Yes, you would want to win, but you're also, the goal is to see how players react. And in this, I wanted to see, you know, how do they react to this? Because there are some teams and some games, I'll point to a team that's not, uh, not European football, world football. It's American football with the Ravens, right? Right now with the Ravens, if they fall behind by seven or 10 points, I feel like they lose their mojo, right? They are used to, at this point in time, getting out to a lead, getting out to a big lead, running the ball, taking control of the clock. And you want to see, okay, how do you react when you're down? Do you fold or do you come back? And that's one thing I was looking for for these young players with the U.S. team. Do you fold or do you push and become a better team, a better player because I feel like at that last stretch where we missed out on the on the World Cup, that we folded if there was this type of result. You know, if we give up a goal early, it felt like, oh no, here we go again. And that's what I felt like I think some of the sentiment on Twitter was. But I was more holding out like, okay, show me what you got. You gave up a goal eight minutes in. Show me that you're not the same team that missed out on 2018. You know, show me you're somebody different now. And 18 minutes in, we get Giovanni Reina scoring a uh, beautiful free kick that 
it was kind of not one that you see a lot. You know, it's a, it was a low free kick that went around the wall because the goalkeeper wasn't properly set up. Uh, you know, he's yeah, supposed to sneaky. set up he's supposed yeah. to set up his wall and then stand right. where the wall ends. And he thought it was going to be going over the wall towards the other side. And he just misread that. And Reyna makes him pay yeah. for it. It was great. But your thoughts before we get to Reyna equalizing and your thoughts on that goal, just because I think you were kind of in the same headspace that I was here on how, you know, it wasn't terrible that we gave up, uh, you know, an eight minute goal. Yeah, so I think, um, uh, you know, looking at it, um, and I think I remember from last time we were in qualifiers, it was like you you, you really want to see a team fight for adversity because in the World Cup, you're going to face adversity, whether it be early on or in the stages later. Um, I, but I think the earlier that this team can face that and dig themselves out of it, the better it is for younger players. Obviously, you don't want to keep digging out of the hole. Um but again, I think that this was a nice little like, okay, it's time to wake up a little bit. Um, and again, it's really tough when you've only played, and, and some of these other teams have only played, you know, the same amount as we have, um, being very restricted to the to the different games that they can play um, and friendlies that they can have. And, you know, I, I think that, like, I, I agree with you. I think that falling behind and then coming back and then throttling them was exactly what this younger group needs. I mean, you got 17-year-olds, you got 18-year-olds. I mean, guys that can barely buy beer at times um, playing in these matches. And the more confidence that they can get from the play. I mean, Musa is, what, 18? I think he just turned 18. Um, Giovanni Reina just turned 18. Um, They're both very young. And Giovanni scores. Musa got his, his contact knocked out of his face. And just the grit, though, that you see in some of the younger guys, I think that's what lacks uh, when, when they don't qualify. Um, they just seem complacent. They seem to be just a team that folded, like pack up your stuff and go home when tough, when it got tough. And I think that that, again, like what you said with Twitter, initial reaction as a U.S. fan, especially in soccer, you, your first initial reaction is to go, oh, I guess we're just not there yet. I guess we're just not the team that, we want to be, and we know we can be eventually. Um, but then you saw that that sparkle in their eye, like that that thing that everybody's talking about, where it's exciting for the U.S. And I know Stu Holden. I was listening to him talk and Lexi Lawless, which I can't stand. Um, they were talking about it, and Lawless was very, you know, played it down. Where Stu was like, you can see where the excitement is, though. You can see in that middle or that midfield, the domination of the ball. Um, and then with Gio up there, he's just a totally different player. I mean, just he's gritty. He's a winner. And I listened to an um, interview with him with the Men and Blazers, and it was fantastic just because he, he for an 18-year-old, then, seven, then 17, or just the poise that he has um, and the fact that probably one of the best strikers up and coming is calling him out on Twitter, even though they're teammates, I get it, but just – the relevance of United States soccer again with Geo up there, um, with McKinney in the middle, with Tyler Adams over there. It's it is it was fun to watch. And then that first goal, I, I like I don't know about you, but I was like I was smiling from ear to ear. I was just so happy because I was like, man, this this could become something really special here. 
Yeah, and and that makes me think that maybe we uh, maybe they'll need to uh, move to teams together, Holland and Rayo, because uh, <laughs> th- he seems to really like uh, Gio. You know, he really does. He's always talking about him. He's always you know talking about him on Twitter and what retweeting they stuff. They the, the American, American Dream. Dream. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> so good. I love it. Um. So yeah, we had that goal go in. We have um. Uh, we had uh, four minutes later, Giacchini score off of a, um, off of a. How did it really describe this one? It was like a. It was like a paint. It was like a. Um, a goalkeeper it? blocks it, but it goes like right yeah. back to him, and he just kind of. It was like deflected off of the keeper, and like yeah. the keeper saves it in the rebound, like in, I guess basketball terms, it, it, it deflects right back into the feet of Giacchini. Yeah, and he was uh um he, so he goes ahead and uh scores that one, but then 4 minutes later he scores another one. This was his better goal, I think. One, this was really good of Miazga who is all the way up there for whatever reason. I think he it was part of the corner, right? <laughs> I think yeah. it was part of the corner he or something, was, he but was. he, was he, he heads a nice ball back into the box and uh Giacchini just lays out for it just throws his whole body into it and gets it into the goal to make it 3-1 and at this point man we were having fun we were having so much fun we get to uh after halftime they take out Tyler Adams they take out uh Lyonez they take out Gio Reyna put in Richard uh, Richie Ledesma Timothy Weah Johnny Cardoza who's just known as Johnny on his jersey uh then we get Sebastian Legette coming in for Musa, uh, who played very well. Musa was all over the place, really good player, all smiles as always. So hopefully that means good things. We bring in Soto for Giacchini. We bring in Chris Richards for Miazga. Uh, but before we get Richards in there, uh, Jose Fajardo uh, scores again to make it 3 2. And I'm like, uh oh, it's CONCACAF, man. This is what happens. You think you you have these leads, and they cut it close, and you're like, "Oh no, here we go." But then, uh, this is this is where you see that this. How do you react again? This is for you. How are you going to react to this? Show us what you got. 83 minutes in, Sebastian Soto scores off of a. I think it was Richard uh, Richie Ledesma whipping that one in. um, Makes it. 4-2. 4-2. Then you get a nice Sebastian Legette goal. Really nice header, 87 minutes in. Just kind of really quick whip it into the near post. Uh, beats the keeper. And then 90-plus some minutes, Sebastian Soto scores another one to make it 6-2. Uh, to two. And that wraps up that game. Uh, this was a lot of fun. You know, Sebastian Soto, uh, he's been playing... Uh, he was at Hanover 96. He left there. He went to Norwich. He had to go out on loan. He's at Telstar, which is in the second division of the Netherlands. Giochini was in the second second division of France. So again, you don't know how this is going to, uh, I guess, uh, how it's going to translate to bigger opponents, but they were enough to get it done. And that's what you need. You need a deep, a deep pool of players. This is what makes me upset too. So I, I, I'm, I'm on Twitter before the game 
and people see Tim Ream starting, and they're like, why is he starting? We don't need Tim Ream starting. Don't we want to see what these young guys got? Put in Chris Richards. Yeah, we do want to see what the young guys got, but we also need somebody there to anchor it. That's why John Brooks was there last game. This is why Tim Ream's there this game. And the captain of the the match, people are like, why are you not giving a captaincy to Tyler Adams or to Chris Richards or to Mia? You know, like, why are you giving it to somebody like Tim Ream? Because he's the vet. He's going to be the one that has all the experience. He's played in the Premier League for a long time. He's played in the championship for a long time. You can't just put out all 18-year-olds and 17-year-olds and say, here you go. Because you need somebody that's been in some of these tough situations and some of these do-or-die games that some of these young players haven't experienced yet to anchor it. And I like that he used that for the defense, you know? Putting in John Brooks there last week, putting Reem in there this week. Is it sexy? No. Like, people want to see the young players. Yeah, but I think you fall in that trap if you put all of the young players out there where they could really end up getting lost and not knowing what to do. I know it's not as exciting when you look at the team sheet and you see, oh, Tim Ream? I want to see Chris Richards. But we still had all these young players playing. Like, he's really the only vet playing at this point. Um, And it gets me into this mood where people look at... When I'm looking at Twitter, if it's not a young player starting, and if they're not playing in Europe, people are asking, why are they starting? Same thing happened with Sebastian Legette the last time. You know, he's only 28. Uh, But people are like, why? He's not going to be around in 2022. How do you know that? He's only going to be 30. He could be one of the, he could be a bench player. Like, we're not going to have in 2022, I guarantee you, we're not going to have a team just full of these squad, of these players from the squad. You're going to have to have players from MLS or players from other leagues, older players. I wouldn't be shocked if Out the Door is starting in 2022. Like, maybe not, but I'm not sure. Depending, It depends on how Giacchini and Soto do. If they're still playing in these right. second and third divisions of these leagues, I don't know if they're getting the start over somebody like Altador if he's healthy. You know, everybody gives crap to Zardes, but Zardes plays and, and scores for the U.S. men's team, and he'll score with his face if he needs to. He doesn't care. It could be an accident, but he's putting the ball in the net, you know? And... I think it's foolish to think that we're just going to play all of these young players all the time. You're going to have injuries. Look at Pulisic. Look at Tyler Adams, who had some injury history before this. You need some of these players to have experience, so that way their first game getting called up because of injuries is not World Cup. But uh, what's your thoughts on it? You know, I, I just feel like U.S. men's uh, Twitter just uh, throws me off and, and really upsets me sometimes. No, I agree. And I think uh, part of it's because they think that the pedigree of playing in Europe is, is something that, that, like, it it warrants a start. It warrants a spot in the starting 11. And, and like you said, the, like, yeah, these guys are playing really well in friendlies. But that's totally different than stepping up in a CONCACAF or, like, the, the different, you know, stages that you're going to get to in World Cup. I mean, throw them out there. Cup match, right? And and they're playing a team of, of of you know credible nature. It's just like 
where, where do you think, I mean, every sport's like this. Like, you don't just go in and throw your 17 and 18 and 19-year-olds in and go, good luck. Uh, the vets are going to sit over here and watch you. Um, it's, it's, I don't see that it's going to be that way, hopefully. I, I know that the Twitter guys are all over it, but you're going to see guys like Sargent and them. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense to me why people are freaking out on Twitter. And I saw what you were saying, too. Like, oh, all these people need to play. And why is Altador at 30? Why do they want him? Well, he might be the most stable point, of, you know, as a nine that we have. Like, he's the most reliable person that we have in that spot. What, Pulisic comes back and because, you know, well, I don't know, he's a little older. He might not, you know, let's throw out our younger guys and see how they do. It's just, it's crazy to me. I mean, to think that we would just go in to games um, and matches and just throw out our youngest players um, is bonkers to me. Like, they, they can play as much as they want in Barcelona, which honestly... It, uh, anymore, I think in in Spain it's not as big a competition as it used to be. I think that obviously it's a good competitive league, but uh, I'm starting to see where there's guys like Zardes that's playing well, that you know, like Morris that's playing well. They, you know, these guys in the MLS, they're in fit. They're, if they're fit and they're in form, and then they jump out on the side that we don't see, like they're in training and stuff, and and they're lighting up the the goal. You don't see that, but then they come out here and play well in matches and stuff, and then you want to keep playing like the 19 and 18-year-old. Let like put them on the bench, let them get some important minutes. That's why they're out here getting what they need in these friendlies. Um, because I, I would say if all these COVID restrictions are gone, that a lot of these guys you don't really hear about until later on in the friendlies. So I think that you know it's it's important that we remember that <laughs> it's not just going to be these dazzling young stars all the time. Um, and they're going to have their trials and tribulations. We've seen that. Not all these guys are going to pan out like we want them to, um, because that's just the nature of the game. Not, you know, if they, if it did work out that way, then hell, we'd be Brazil um, or, or just Germany or anybody like that that's got the stature of those big clubs that just pound everybody. It, it's just it, it's crazy to me. I, I I try to avoid it too. I know what you meant because today it was really annoying, especially after that first goal. It was like doomsday on U.S. men's uh, national Twitter. So it was like, you know, the world's ending and, and here's why, because they're but then they're complaining about the youth. So I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't think there's it, what way. I find is that they blame if we're losing on the coach and if yes. we're playing well on the players. Yes. Um, but you got to do both. You, right. you can't just do you can't just blame the coach for playing poorly. The players. The, I mean, there would be hell. We could have hired the best coach ever, and thought we would. We, Pep would have coached the the U.S. men's national team. Did we expect them to win the World Cup? No. Right, and and like like you said, Jordan Morris. People give him a tough time on the U.S. men's t- Twitter too, just because right. he didn't go play at Wolfsburg. I think is yes. who was after him. Yep. He chose Seattle because that was his hometown team, and because he's diabetic, and he wanted to make mm-hmm. sure he had access to, you know, like insulin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that kind of stuff is, and I think his dad was part of the organization, but Morris, Jordan Morris is very good and, and he's fun to watch. And I just think if you put him with these players, he's going to be even better to watch. Like, you know, that's the thing is like, he, it, it can't always be, okay, well, he plays in MLS and we can't call him up because that's going to limit us very quickly. And let's just take a look. Tyler Adams from the Red Bulls. Okay. He went over to Europe. Um, Giovanni Reyna from New York City FC Academy, Youth Academy. Um, 
looking at Sebastian Soto from Real Salt Lake's Academy. Richie Ledesma, I think, was from the uh, Salt Lake Academy. Reggie Cannon was from Dallas. Um, Weston McKinney was in the Dallas Academy and skipped there to go to to go to Germany. So Tim Ream from the Red Bulls, Matt Miazga from the Red Bulls, almost all of these players, Stefan from Columbus crew. I'm like, I just named almost the whole starting squad has had some association with MLS. And so when people say that, it's like, they almost don't even know where these players are coming from. <laughs> no, I agree. I, that, that's like, I love listening. And I don't usually like listening to Holden cause he kind of his voice annoys me sometimes, but he was making great points. He just rattled off exactly what you just rattled off how many of these players and that's what he said that he's excited for the u.s sport for the u.s soccer team and the sport over here because for the first time i mean you've got kids that that are seeing reina play and there's you know in in reina it helps that he's playing with erling haland and you've got guys like morris who's going to step into these places and play with pulisic and play with more or uh play with mckinney and play with tyler adams and musa and you, you i mean the more that they're getting exposed to other leagues, I think it helps. I think that the exposure is really what you want. Who cares where they're getting it? If they play well together, then I could care less if they play MLS, backyard soccer, if they're playing, if they're the Ravens kicker and they just decide they want to come out here. Justin Tucker, if you're listening, you could come out and play. <laughs> um, yeah. But again, like, who cares where they play? I mean, hell, you got. Soto, who's playing in the backwoods of where was he again? The the Netherlands or somewhere? Yeah, he's in the um, second. Yeah, division. I mean, you've got guys like those teams aren't any better than Seattle. Like, go play Seattle. Like, they're they're a good soccer team. Like, it's it doesn't make any sense to me why this matters. And it, again, it's that stigmatism of like, oh, well, they play in the MLS. Like, it's a stigma of like you can't play in international soccer if you play mls the mls is like the retirement home it's not really that way much anymore like it's starting to no. become something that that people are excited for i mean look at brendan aronson like that that's a that's another thing that it's like he'll go over to europe and play well right and he's coming from the u.s and then his little brother probably follows him so i mean you, you've got the u.s teams in academies just cranking people out they even had jack harrison and jack harrison was talking about how impressive yes. the united yeah. states was like that's why he went to college and played in academy over here it was like i was impressed with the way that the united states was going like i, I antelino antelino yes. was over well. here yeah. yeah and city like that's what they said about zach Steffen. He, he's gonna challenge ederson it's just a matter of when and that's impressive like Ederson's what number at least top five I would say right keepers I mean that hell he's on Brazil and he can't get starting time over Allison but he's pretty comparable and it's like you know if you've got Stefan who is challenging him coming from the United States and I know the United States has history of, of creating good goalkeepers but again you, you just look at these guys and the more that we get this word out the more the United States is going to thrive and hell we've got a lot of time. till 2026. Um, and I could see a lot of things changing to where we could be scary. Uh, and going forward. <clears throat> Definitely. And then also we have to look forward to Daryl DK on Orlando. If he gets caught yeah. up at some yeah. point, we, uh, it sounds like Burr is a big fan of him. So maybe he would start in a st st starting, uh, starting striker. Yeah. Uh, type of situation or um 
uh, Akinola from Toronto yeah. and, uh, you know, Ibo Bise uh, is an option as well. Like there, there's all of these options that uh, if you just limit us to European players, we'd be in some trouble. We wouldn't be in as much trouble as we were years ago. But also, let's for, let's not forget Landon Donovan, best U.S. men's player of all time, spent the bulk of his career in MLS. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic went to from Manchester United to L.A., scored a crap load of goals, and people were saying, that's a retirement league. Then he goes to inter, uh, AC Milan, scores a whole bunch of goals, and people are silent. Right. So which one's the retirement league? Because yeah. everybody's fawning over... Uh, um, Weston McKenney going to Juve, but Zlatan tear, tearing it up. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, that that's the kind of hip, hypocrisy yes. that is mind-numbing. So let's go over the last stats here with this game. Uh, USA finished with 61% of the ball possession, 39 for Panama, 15 shots to eight shots. <laughs> um, accurate passes 425 to 251 so this is the second game in a row we had on 400s of passes 86% pass success uh, to 81% for Panama shots on target 8 to 3 so we we score 6 of those 8 um and uh just looking to see if there's any other notable stats not really uh we only had to make one save Panama made two um but yeah, so not a bad result. And uh, I guess just to wrap it up here for the U.S. men's national team, I- I'm feeling very confident that this is a good squad. I think there's still pieces missing that will yeah. hopefully get called in. Um, uh, you know, um, going forward, uh but there's going to be some missing pieces that need to be put in there. I think we still, as well as Giacchini and Soto played, I think right. we still need a striker. Um, I know Greg Berhalter said he wants to have a December camp of mostly MLS players uh, and maybe a game in there because their league would be finished. So maybe we could get something scheduled against somebody, even like Panama again, that doesn't have a lot of players over in Europe. Um and uh, then I guess we'll see how it goes from there because qualifying starts next year. And um, But I think things are looking up. I, I think things finally seem to have light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I'm not saying Ber- Berhalter was my choice for the U.S. men's mm-hmm. national team, but I think we have to give him a chance. My choice was actually Orlando City's coach, uh, coach Oscar Perea. Um, and I think people can see why, because I think he plays some very exciting. Um, I think he can play some very exciting soccer as he's done with Orlando. And uh, but Berhalter can too. He played very good with uh, Columbus Crew. And I think that you know we just got to give it a chance. He hasn't really, like I said, he hasn't really had a chance to put it, get together his number one team. I'd, I'd be very excited when he has both options to choose from. You know when he has MLS and Europe and no COVID issues, who is he putting out on the squad? That's what I'm very excited to look forward to mm-hmm. and see. I think maybe Mark McKenzie might be one of those center backs instead of Matt Miazga. It could f- probably flip between those two. I think uh, if we get an MLS camp, maybe Brendan Aronson gets a chance to show what he can do in a U.S. shirt as well. Um, I think Aronson's 
so far probably going to be more of a bench player in this type of yeah. setup if it's with these players. But um, it will be cool to see Pulisic in there. Like, just yeah. how fast they look. And and I talked to you about this. The other thing that really impressed me was just their intensity on the defensive end. Like, I, I think that when, whenever they would turn something over or it would go the opposite direction, their press on, on, you know, just closing in on the Panama attack, it was just, it was impressive. I, I was really impressed with that. And the way that Sergino Dest could just create space too in that right back, like, and he could play both sides. Like, I, I think he's fully capable yeah. of doing pretty much anything on the pitch um, that you need him to do. And just the fact that he becomes an op- option and a weapon on that right side running up and down, that's scary with McKinney running up and down that same side. That's that's a threatening side to run up and down. Um, and I really wouldn't want to mess with it. And McKinney just looks so strong on the ball, just completely yeah. manhandled people at times. How about his little Italian hand gesture? Oh, I love he's, it. he's only that been at Juve so for like three months. <laughs> I like the retweets, all the retweets, and then they like he retweeted and he goes, "Yeah, yeah he happens when you're over there for a couple months, <laughs> is that you do that?" And then Stu Holden was like, "Is that is that like their version of like you know giving the, you know what, um, finger and stuff? Like is that what you're doing?" But again, it can't hurt playing with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, right. He's got to be picking right. up a couple things, so. Um, like you said, it, it does. It's so exciting because it's like, man, we finally have a team that I think at least can make some noise um, again because it was just so much fun when they were competitive on the world stage because I think that I, I do. I, I think that this might be the resurgence, hopefully, of, of what could become a, a pretty good country um, to, to play soccer in. So, and that would be really cool if the MLS could somehow really just start to pull players away. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I think MLS is going to become even bigger in 2026. Yeah. You know, we're going to have that bump of having the World Cup here. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that'll help. And I think if maybe we could even show, like, hey, some of these players came from here. Um, you know, uh, th- that can help. Even if it's just, like, pictures of them and, and stories of them when they were in the youth academies or when right. they were playing before they made a big transfer Something that shows, hey, if you go support your local team, you can see these players before they hit it big. You know, you can see these players before they become the world stars they are. And you can tell your kid, hey, I saw, you know, Brendan Aronson live. I I saw Mm -hmm. Daryl DK live before he went to, you know, Manchester City, you know, whatever. Uh, Because he's probably going to go to Europe at some point. Yeah. you know, if where you can kind of the same way people can do that with Alfonso Davies, who's Canadian, mm-hmm. and he went from that's another example of you know he pretty much went right from uh, Vancouver to starting at Bayern Munich very. Oh, quickly. he played so well in Champions very League. quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's a pathway, and I think it's good to show these young, you know, kids in um, this world and, and why the union were so big on selling Aronson and selling Mm -hmm. McKenzie if they can because it's showing all the local kids like look you can still play here you can win things like Brendan Aronson just Mm -hmm. did and then we can sell you and your dreams can come true and you're still only 20 years old right you know and you can now go over there and become a big name yeah, and that's and, what Gio yeah. and them said. Like Jack Harrison, Gio, they both said, had it yeah. not been for the U.S., they wouldn't have been on the stage, and the the platform would not have been created without the help of the United States. Right, right. And like I said, some of these players were in the youth academy. Some of them felt like they had to go because they wouldn't get a chance here. They they wouldn't get, um, 
be able to move. That used to be a stigma with MLS where they won't mm-hmm. allow players to move. But that's kind of been breaking out of the walls. The union made sure it worked. They wanted to show that it would work. I think if this was a few years ago, the union yeah. would have held on to some of these players. But they want to show the other candidates out there, come with us for two or three years. We can win. You can go off to Europe, and we'll have another one to replace you that quickly. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's really funny, too, because like I texted you, I said, it's so funny to listen to them say, what's the inspiration? You know, what's the inspiration for Jack Harrison to come to U.S.? Or what's the what's the inspiration for Musa to pick the United States? Or what's the inspiration for Geo? Like the Geo interview was impressive as it was. Um, and just like his family line and his bloodline. But he was talking about the fact that Christian Pulisic is not is the man. Like it wasn't Clint Dempsey. It wasn't you know, Landon Donovan, like the guys that we grew up watching. It wasn't, you know, Michael Bradley. It wasn't Josie out the door. Um, it was Christian Pulisic. He, and they said that he is the first player to really to pave the way for United States. And it brings me goosebumps like right now because I was thinking about it and I was thinking about, isn't it always that sentiment that statement that really does start to pave the way for something big coming down the road and i think it might be that the united states starts to become a a world power as far as soccer is concerned i think that you know with football becoming as dangerous as it has become i think with the emphasis in um you know basketball losing its flavor because of uh, you know the different things that they're doing socially and different things like that i do think that people are starting to turn their attention more to what other sport is there out there? And and baseball's losing its flames. And I think soccer is starting to gain flames. And like you said, in 2026, that might be the perfect time to put the United States on a platform that finally we've arrived. And think about how much money eventually, and, and you know that's going to be a thing with the United States. There's going to be an influx of money. It's just a matter of when's it going to come and how much of it's going to come and how big of an impact can it have on the world's game? Because if you bring in somebody like Ronaldo at the end of their career or Messi at the end of their career, that's only going to spike the dreams and the hopes of some of these kids that are playing in Miami that are, you know, good soccer players in the academies. Uh, It's I think we're getting to a point where Christian Pulisic might have been the goat. Like he might have been the one that paved the way for for different avenues that the United States can now travel down because he was. He was able to take the brunt. He's able to sit on Chelsea's bench. He's able to work his way back into the, the starting 11. And now, you know, when healthy is is clearly one of the better wingers. So it's just, you know, it's so cool to watch them like grassroots just coming up through the ranks. Definitely. Uh, craziness. Uh, I can't believe we have all these young studs <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. It's so um, yeah, so I guess that about wraps us up here. Thank you, Logan, for coming on oh, yeah, to the show. Um, if you want to follow us, not talking to you, I'm talking to listeners now. If you oh, want to follow us, oh, okay. uh, it's on Twitter at Stateside Show, or you can follow the main feed at Stoppage Show. Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Email us, Stoppage Time Show at gmail.com, and Instagram at Stoppage Time Soccer Show. And have a great rest of your week. And uh, well, actually, you'll hear from me before the end of the week because I got to preview some of these MLS games that are coming (laughs) up on the weekend. But uh, we'll catch you all next time. Tomorrow, throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on! Come on!
Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.